in a world where every diet you know is wrong. Well, not every diet. I mean... Yes, but almost every doesn't sound as good. Yeah, but... Shut up. One man stands alone. Well, not completely. I mean... It's time for Adam Martin, the No Breakfast Guy. And let's talk fast. Fasting, fitness, and fat loss. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. And I am very excited to have a guest on here today who has been a longtime friend, but also a client from a long time ago, um, who I've known for many, many years. And uh, just before we're jumping on air, we're actually just talking about kind of a circuit breaker, as uh, Kathy kind of put it, that I went through. And I think that kind of really ties into what we're going to be talking about today. But uh, I think Kathy can introduce herself much better than I ever could. So Kathy, welcome to the show and great to see you. Great to see you too, Adam. And I'll add to that, that, you know, I was one of Adam's clients for nearly 10 years. And every Friday I would show up and we would bounce ideas off each other. And so our relationship uh, developed from me being his client to us really having this just great conversations whilst I was, you know, doing my weights and doing everything <laughs> else. Um, but yeah, like honoured to be part of the podcast and to have a chat to you today. So yeah, and, and to give you, do you want me to sort of give a bit of this intro? Yeah, give us a little spiel and kind of let people know, I guess, who you are, I guess, I guess where the company that you will talk more about and kind of what you guys do kind of started from and how that's evolved. And I think that kind of, as I said, is kind of in tune with what we're talking about today and kind of <clears throat> how things evolve and kind of how we go about that and kind of you know, maybe someone sitting there listening to this at the moment, just going, I'm just stuck. Where am I at the moment? How can I move forward? And whether that's with fat loss and health and well-being, or whether that's they're stuck in a job they hate, a relationship they don't like, or whatever it might be, whether we can give some kind of uh, hints and tips on kind of how to break that circuit they're in and kind of change their thinking or kind of how they could be. But um, yeah, as I said, give you give a bit of a background of kind of who you are and what you do and what Fire Up Coaching is, um, and let's go mm. from there. Great. Great. Thanks, Adam. Well, I guess when we start talking about circuit breakers, my business came about as a bit of a circuit breaker. And I was reflecting on this this morning about how we get to where we are. And particularly, I know at the moment, we live in a pretty complex environment in terms of so many systems are interacting with each other. And I think when you mentioned about, you know, whether we start talking about fat loss or I'm bored in my job or whatever it is, you know, as individuals and as human beings, we're a whole system and all of these other things impact on us. And I think we're probably realising more than ever at the moment how much all of the systems in our life interact and, and cause us either to be happy or, you know, for those in lockdown, frustrated, trying to think about how do we get to this place and... That's kind of where I started from the business. I um, was I, I was a nurse to start with, and then I actually got my dream job with flight centers. So I was traveling all over the world. That was in 1989, so a long time ago. But without making that story long and dramatic, although I could, um, <laughs> I, I call it they freed up my future. And literally, you know, when I was in a job that I thought was amazing, all of a sudden the rug got pulled out from under me and I ended up in a legal case, you know, for wrongful dismissal. And that whole situation caused a complete turnaround in where I was and what I did. 
And interestingly enough, when I went to the lawyers in Canada after I'd been freed up, uh, <laughs> they, they sort of said, oh, look, Kat, this is an open and shut case. You know, it should be four or six weeks and, you know, you'll be all sorted. Anyway, that wasn't quite so clear cut and it took two years uh, to actually prove um, that I had been wrongfully dismissed. And, you know, it was a long process and probably I fed into making that process more complicated than it needed to be. And I think that's a good starting point to think about how sometimes we hang on to things that we should let go of. And it was actually one of my lawyers that said to me, if you put the same amount of energy that you're putting into this, into something new, what would happen? And that really for me was when I sat back and thought, you know what, I'm fighting a battle that's just draining me and I need to put that energy into something positive. And hence, I, within two weeks of deciding this has got to end, my lawyer also gave me another great tip. At that stage, I think I was 32 or 33, and before we went into the mediations to finish it all, she said, I want to teach you to meditate. And I, and I was like, you know, had all these associations with meditation, you know, this is like over 20 years ago. And she said, no, you watch. She said, I always meditate before my big um, legal cases. And I said, and I come in and I wear my white suit because then that, it kind of disarms them. They think I'm this pretty little blonde and, you know, that... I wouldn't hurt a feather and then I just <laughs> and anyway that was exactly what went down was that you know I got into a really calm place and part of her other advice which was is was invaluable was before you answer think about the question and, and think about how do I know the answer to this question and is it is it an answer that's relevant and I think that's a really good thing for us all to think about. And I, and I still, to this day, think about when I'm about to re react to something, is, am I reacting or am I responding and, and in a way that's rational and relevant? Because so many times we're acting out of past history and that doesn't serve us in the current moment. And as a result of that, like during that time, I'd started studying neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, in Canada and originally signed up for the four-week course and said, oh, look, you know, I'm going back to Australia. And as it was, ended up doing the whole two-year program around business coaching and uh, NLP. That was 1995 and 1996. And NLP was really, you know, huge in Canada and America. And... I assumed when I came back to Australia that everyone would be as excited about this newfound knowledge as I was and started, started I actually originally started the company, um, we, were, we were called Living Change. And then when I went to get the domain names, and it seems so crazy now, but we all know how important domain names are, but Living Change was already taken by a florist in Glen Waverley or somewhere like that. And hence, I did, I did what I call a vision walk, which is, you know, where you step through and think about things. And hence, the name Fire Up was, was what we came up with around focus, intention, results, evaluate, upgrade and perform, which was kind of what I wanted to start the program. You know, the, the company needed to have a, a name that meant something. And 
hence we became fire up and I was predominantly training NLP practitioner and master practitioner and once again I, I, I think one of the important things that I've found with building a business is that and I've learnt the hard way don't depend on your own knowledge and reality around what the world is to make major decisions and even Adam you know if I think about the time we used to hang out together you know, it was almost like a time where each week I would, you know, download on you, you download on me. But, but when you talk things out loud and reflect on them, it sort of gives you more perspective. But then bringing in expertise. And what I did in 2006 was bring in someone to say, you know, this is what I've got as a business. And I've been going for about seven or eight years by that point. But it wasn't growing and I was getting a lot of people who couldn't afford their courses and all sorts of things. I really needed that circuit breaker to move into something and create a business that worked. And at that time, coaching was only just beginning to enter into Australia. And the lady who I trained with in Canada said, well, why don't you start running International Coach Federation courses in Australia? And I also have advice here that in order to make it really credible, and to incorporate the NLP, I'd be better to become a registered training organisation. And thankfully, I had no idea what that process was going to be. I would have run screaming in another direction. I remember and, the many weeks oh, and many months that you... Oh, <laughs> my God. Like, yeah. So that... that and you would remember, because I just started with you in 2008, and we actually only got our courses fully accredited and got our RTO status and the coaching course accredited and the diploma accredited. I think the, the RTO came in 2011 and the mm -hmm. courses were done by sort of 2012, which meant, you know, almost four or five years. And in that time, I also transitioned from working with the company that I had trained at in Canada to creating my own, because I was also doing my master's at that time and created my own course and got that, accredited through the International Coach Federation separate to the course I had been running, which meant at that time we were a registered training organisation and I had written the courses because at that point, and it sounds crazy to say it now, but there was no actual courses for coaching in the Australian Qualifications Framework. And without boring you about the whole, you know, um, Qualifications Framework, to get a course accredited is quite a rigorous process and you have to write all the units and elements and show that you can assess them and that there's evidence of competency and all that sort of stuff. So it's quite rigorous and it's quite, it can be quite dry. And I, my intention was never to deliver programs that were boring. And, you know, that's why it's been, you know, it's been a really long process to make sure that we didn't lose the integrity of the programs and how much, you know, that the quality and, and that, you know, that by that point, people have been doing our courses for over 10 years and we, we had a reputation for delivering really transformational programs and I wanted that to still be the case and, and give people a qualification. And that was, you know, that was when I also needed to start bringing on other trainers and growing the business. And I guess that's been the journey the last 10 years has been getting courses accredited, maintaining that credibility with an accredited coach training course that fits the Australian parameters as well as the international parameters. 
And fortunately, that's left us in a really great space because all of a sudden there's this recognition that particularly with COVID making, you know, the personal impact on people so great and making people question, what am I doing? Do I want to go back to having no work-life balance if they have? You know, lawyers are a good example that so many lawyers who've done, you know, that presentism had to be present in the office from seven till seven and all of a sudden they're being able to do their exercise, still get as much work done at home. And of course it's going to make people question, why would I go back to a system or a way of doing things that I know didn't serve me as a whole person? And, and I was fortunate that in 2017, the pressure from the business was really enormous. And I had decided that I needed that circuit breaker and needed to actually live somewhere where I was being true to myself in terms of I was getting so, you know, I was coaching people around work-life balance and not living it myself. And you could see that I would show up to you exhausted <laughs> on a Friday morning. And I, I kind of started that transition from 2015 to 2017. And, you know, it's, it's hard for any of us to let go of something and and really break away takes a lot of courage. And I've got a, um, a, a little saying stuck to my computer that says, uh, it takes courage to claim back who you are. And it's easy to get lost in a job or a business. And even though I love this business, it's not completely who I am. I love coaching people and I love helping people to see how they can do things differently and live a different life. However, you know, if that means it's taking away from my family and, and from John, my husband, and my relationship and my own physical well-being, you know, if all of the other things are not in balance, well, you know, it does take courage to so, you know what? I need to find a way to make it all work together and complement each other rather than one part that sucks energy from other parts of your life. You know, which you know, you'd have seen the life wheel that we use, and that's a great, a great way to reflect. John and I actually have a life wheel that we do together every year, where we, I think the travel one will probably disappear a bit this year, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, where we actually have that discussion about, you know, are we in balance or do we need, um, you know, to disrupt our own way of being in some way. I think it's a really important point. And you kind of said it um, at the beginning um, of our um, episode today in that people get really attached to their story of who they are or who they think they are. Um, and whether that's I'm this fat person, that's all I am, or I'm this lawyer and that's all I am. I think then you brought that around in a really beautiful circle by the end. And you said that, you know, even though you might love your job or you might love the, you know, a certain aspect of your life, that's not the only thing that you are and there are other aspects to your life, whether you have family or whether it's a, a sport you play on the side or whatever it might be, that we need to kind of get out of our own headspace and kind of let go of that story of the kind of person we think we are because there is so much more um, to us. And, you know, you were talking about the fact that, you know, you had to be true to yourself and you went and, you, you know, you've taken up north and you're up in that beautiful sunshine of Queensland while we all suffer in uh, yeah. a proper winter down here. Although I'm sure people in Scotland or Canada will probably sit there and go, that's not winter. So yeah, exactly. we all live our own re reality. But obviously I took my um, kind of circuit breaker uh, years ago when I had that realisation myself that, you know, I was not 
I've, I've said, you know, I've, I've shared this many times, but I was not a suicidal person. I wasn't depressive, but I was certainly in a bad place that I loved my job, but it was 16 hours a day. I, I hadn't seen my daughter who had been born at that time, Amelia, who was almost one. I hadn't seen her for that entire year. And I was just like, is this going to be my life? Is this, you know, if, for the next 20, 30 years, can I see myself doing this? And I thought, this sends me down a very dark pathway if I keep going. And I had to kind of just break that. It wasn't just a long holiday I needed. I needed to break that completely. And so um, it's interesting that you then use that word courage again. And I certainly don't see it as courageous, but people continue to tell me that, man, that must have taken some courage just to drop a business that you'd been running for over 10 years to then just pick up when you had a child of one year of age to go, you know what, suffer I'm going to get rid of all of my income and my livelihood and just disappear overseas and live overseas. People sit there, sorry about my dog going nuts in the background. That's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it, that kind of courage that people say that takes. And I guess I'm becoming more kind of open to the idea that that was a courageous thing to do. Oh, yeah. Um, but it was the single-handedly the best thing I've ever done in my life. And while it took a lot of money and a lot of kind of thing away from us, I wouldn't exchange that even for a second. And I'd do it in a heartbeat if I could again, um, because it changed my life fundamentally to a point where I'm in a much better place. I'm much happier. Um, I'm doing less work, but I love the fact that I get to come home every single night and enjoy that time with my girls. And I don't just see myself as a practitioner anymore. I see myself as a father, as a runner, mm. as a practitioner, like all, all of those different things. And, you know, there's different times, of course, where other aspects of life have to kind of take a back step because I really need to go in on that. And sometimes that is business, but I know now to kind of, okay, pull on that string for a bit, but then pull on this one and kind of wherever that may be. So I really like how you kind of circled around with um, that idea of kind of not honing yourself with one particular thing and holding on to that. That's all I am. That's the only story I can kind of tell and kind of yeah, breaking that up. I always joke when I'm presenting about hardening of the categories that, you know, we, we, we fit things into categories in our brain and that this should be this way or I, you know, I must, you know, I must and I should. And, um, and you know, particularly as we go through different phases of our life and given the age I am now, you, you, you know, I look at someone in their 20s and the 30s and the way they make the decisions and we, we have to have that flexibility and, and learn that from an early age. And I think I probably was never a good planner in my early days and I think I've learned this and I've learned this Stacy Curry who did my course years ago Stacy's a great uh, we you know we bounce we we do lots of stuff together and we're hoping to do a lot more in the future um, and she was the keynote speaker at our fire up conference last year and what really resonated with me that I thought about afterwards was the importance of planning and habits and routine and that you know if you want something to be different you have to plan for it to be different and if you want to be healthy you have to plan it but you also have to have routines around it you know if you're planning for something to be different in 12 months part of your routine needs to be putting energy and focus to that in some way or shape or form every day and I think you know particularly at the moment when a lot of people are suffering and it's you know it's it's unique to each of us how we go through something like lockdown and and as you say it's living up here on the sunshine coast um it's important for me to be supporting people who are in that headspace where it's like oh i just can't face another few months of this to 
reframe that and there's a saying that says the capacity for suffering and the capacity for change are equal. So there's, there's pivot points in our life where you can get to a point and you either continue doing things that take you down that path of suffering and particularly, you know, I mean, everyone keeps joking about the amount of alcohol that's being drunk in COVID and, you know, it's, it's really important that that doesn't become people's routine because it is a depressor and, and someone who's, you know, struggled with alcohol in my early days and I know that if I start, if I don't plan for a certain amount of alcohol-free days a week and I don't plan for my routine and break that circuit of, you know, having a drink every night, they seem like sort of little things, but they're not little things and they're important things. You have to pay attention to particularly, you know, the capacity for suffering and capacity to change equal. Because I know if I start, you know, even on holidays, you think it's having a good time. But if I drink every day for seven days, my, I notice my productivity is starting to slide. Um, and that's me. I'm not talking about everyone. But, but there is a point where you have to be honest with yourself and say, what am I doing as part of a routine that serves me? Um, but what are the routines that I'm getting into that are actually going to feed into my suffering? And, you know, I, I think um, there's, there's a real, you know, it, it concerns me the increase in antidepressants um, being prescribed at this time when, you know, that becomes a routine and a habit that longer term is not going to serve a lot of people because, of course, people are depressed now because there's a lot of depressing stuff going on. However, learning to actually reframe your... So it's, it's refocus, reframe, redirect. So if I'm focusing on my suffering... What I, you know, what we pay attention to, we get more of. And whilst we, you know, we all love to have a bit of a self-pity party, you know, it's, it's, it's important to go, okay, you know what? I need, to, I need to input that circuit breaker somehow, whether it be exercise, whether it be, you know, ringing a friend. I rang a friend in Melbourne on Sunday and I had to laugh. It was 2.30 in the afternoon on Sunday. And she said, oh, Kat, your timing was good. I just ripped the, uh, ripped the head off a bottle of rosé. And she said, perhaps now that I've got you, she said, oh, she said, it was just getting to me. And I just went to the fridge and opened it. And she said, and then the phone rang and it was you. And I was, she said, so now, uh, she said, I'm finding I'm drinking earlier and sleeping later. And we had a laugh about it. And then we talked for an hour. And at the end of it, you know, she was like, oh, you know, she said, oh, it's so great to connect with you. And it was great for me to connect with her. And I think it's finding ways to, in healthy ways, if we're feeling overwhelmed, find someone to connect to. And, and I think often people don't look to the relationships that could be there, but they think, oh, what would they care? You know, why would they want to talk to me? Well, they would. People love you and people want to be there for you. And I know my sister who's got five teenagers, imagine having five teenagers home Jesus. and homeschooling. <laughs> anyway, but, you know, sadly one of her, uh, well, two of her, uh, two of her teenagers have lost two friends to suicide in the last six months. And, oh, wow. you know, for, for 17 and 18 year olds, that's, that's devastating and it's, it's so hard for them to understand. And I think this is where, you know, 
as a teenager, you don't understand why didn't my friend think to ring me or ask or, and I think we need to set up better systems of connection and, and make those part of our routine. So connection becomes part of our routine. Health becomes part of our routine. Um, you know, people need certainty and they need connection. They're two of the biggest things to feed our brains. And, you know, so we need to refocus if we're not focused on the right things, reframe what's going on, you know. So even, and it's, you know, and I, and I acknowledge it's easier for me sitting up here telling someone who's stuck in lockdown to reframe and think about how you can use this time. However, you know, you don't have many other choices. You can either, capacity for suffering and the capacity for change are equal. Reframe it and redirect your attention to something little that you can achieve every day something that you can be certain about every day. Even if it's going and getting your coffee and, you know, um, being able to socially distant, but say hello to a couple of people, you know, finding ways um, to maintain uh, your own sense of um, being and, you know, things. So it's the, it's the bead you have, you know, what do I have to do and be, what do I have to have, what do I have to do in order to be in the space and the state that I want to be? I'm glad you use the word connections. Um, I've, you, I've, I've spoken about this book many times before, but um, Lost Connections by Johan Hari, um, I, oh, think I, is, I, I think is genuinely one of the best books I've ever come across with regards to mental health. And um, again, I've, I can very openly say I've never dealt with kind of a serious depressive attack, but look, we all have our ups and down days. And I wanted to try and help my own clients um, and be kind of, be more empathetic to people who say they are going through you know, a depressed mm. state or kind of, so I thought I'll start reading up on, you know, topics around depression and anxiety. And I came across this book just by chance. And um, he has a controversial way um, around it. And the title of the book, as I said, is lost connections, but then the little subtitle to that is uh, along the lines of um, why depression is caused and the surprising way to fix it or something along those kinds of lines. Um, and he's not anti antidepressants and he's not anti medications for them. He says they absolutely serve a purpose for a certain point in time, but his fundamental belief is that people have lost connection with the world around them and the people around them. And that is one of the big reasons why we've seen such a huge increase in depression over you know, more recent times is that yes, we're more connected because of Facebook and social media and things like that. But the sense of kind of having a tribe and someone there that you can reach out to and physically touch and be there and feel and things like that um, has certainly um, decreased by a lot and very much so in the last six months with you know, different countries around the diff um, world and different states and different places having to go into these different kinds of lockdowns, whatever stages they may be. Um, and I certainly have never felt um, this way before. And even yesterday, I, I had a really bad day yesterday where I just got fed up with it all. Like, I'm, I'm genuinely, and you would know this and most people know, yeah. I'm generally a very positive person and I exactly. always kind of look to the, the best side of life. And as you said, look, this is my reality. I could sit here and complain about it, but what's the point in complaining? I've got to get on with life here. Um, but I was out for a run and obviously Melbourne at the moment is in a pretty harsh lockdown. We're allowed outside for one hour a day and that's it. Masks are everywhere and all of the you know, different things have been put on us. And again, that was fine and I can't deal with it. That's fine. But I was out and saw a couple of people just blatantly not doing the right thing. And we'd heard that potentially this lockdown might be extended now into mid October. That's just oh. a, 
I know. It's just a, oh. it's one of those things that they kind of threw yeah. out that if this doesn't happen, we might extend it for another month. And I just heard that and it kind of just gone to the back of my mind. I hadn't really kind of processed it. Processed I, it. I saw a, a personal trainer who I know and he was out there working, which they shouldn't be seeing face-to-face clients at the moment. He had no mask on. And then I saw a couple of other people walking just outside, no mask on and no real physical reason that I could see that they shouldn't be abiding by that rule kind of thing. Mm. And it just got me down. It was just, I was on a run and here I am going, I might be in this for another month. And it's the reasons because idiots like that and selfish people like that. And I just got really negative in my own headspace. Yeah. Um, and then to your point and kind of connecting though, and I'm thankful for social media and that I came home and um, someone who I'd done a long story short, but someone who I'd done a, a driving course where I got to drive my dream Lamborghini last year. Ah, you'd love that, yeah. He reached out and had just said, look, we feel for all you Victorians. I hope you're all well. And like, it was such a small little act that he didn't need to reach out like that. He was, I was Uh, a customer of his a year ago. Yeah. He didn't have to reach out and he did. He reached out and just said, look, we, you know, we, we feel for you Victorians. I hope you're doing well and we'll be back and doing our drive days again. And it was just that little bit of kind of just, connection from someone else that I didn't expect from and I can only imagine how much more powerful it would have been if someone I knew would go through that and I'd reached out and you were saying that you know why would someone want to hear from me why would why would I bother even calling it's like yeah I think connecting with people at the moment obviously we have to do it through a phone call or a zoom call or something like that but mm. connection is so big um, and we need to kind of find those connections wherever they might be because they make a huge difference and I know I would have felt better in a day or two in any way because, you know, I, I tend to process things well and I've got a, an amazing mm. wife that, you know, supports me like yeah. um, nothing else. And so I can lean on her. But there's plenty of people out there who don't have that kind of support. You don't have that, yeah. Um, and so you have to find those connections wherever they might be and reach out to them if you want to say, I need help, or you might be in a good place and you can see your friends just says something or something that, oh, maybe I should reach out to them and kind of just say, hello, what's up? How are you going? Can I help? And whatever it might be. So yeah, I think connection is a really strong word. I'm glad you kind of use that word. And I think it's being intentional about it at the moment too. You know, if you're in a place where you can support others and you know, the word random acts of kindness has been around forever. However, I really thought about it and thought, well, actually I need to stop doing it as random. I need to actually make this a routine that every week I connect with someone from Melbourne who might need my support. And I also, we had a lot of, uh, on your point about people doing the right or wrong thing, it's easy to get into that blame game of, you know, someone doing the right or wrong thing and and us not being able to control what other people do. And I thought, well, look, we had some stuff going on in our family and I instigated a family Zoom call. And and I instigated it at a time when there was a bit of conflict going on and it was all a bit, you know, and, we're not the only family going through that. I'm sure every family that's got, you know, uh, and also t- it's tough if, you know, if families are interstate and you can't see people or across the border, all the complexities are going on at the moment. However, just making that Zoom call routine, and there was a few weeks where people boycotted it because they were in conflict <laughs> with other family members and whatever. However, I've just stuck with it. I've just kept going. I just kept turning up on Sunday night and turning the computer on and whoever shows up, shows up. And pretty much, you know, I've got one brother who's been unwell at the moment. But last week, I'm, I'm one of 12 kids for those out there in, in uh, Zoomland who don't know. However, last week, and my, one, my brother was going to hospital, so he couldn't be there. But the other 11 of us were all on the call. And 
to see mum and dad's face, that we were all there and connected. When we're all over Australia and it's a really tough time, and particularly my parents are really social, they are really finding it hard that people can't just drop in. And those sorts of routine planned things that are not random are what are also important so that people know that there's connection there. Um, and then maybe do a random thing with a friend or something. But for those that are important to you, finding ways to plan for that and make it routine and so intentional. We, yeah, absolutely. And kind of to, I mean, not to wrap things up, not, that's not where mm. I'm kind of going with that, but kind of if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh, cool, I, I hear what you're talking about. It's like, okay, I need to break my routine. Like I'm unhappy with where I'm at at the moment and, you know, I need change and what's, you know, I love that saying. I'm going to have to, get that off you and kind of write it down because I know I'll say it uh, incorrectly, but that, you know, the capacity for suffering and capacity to change is the same. Oh, cool. I, that's such a, that's, I reckon that's a really powerful message to have because so many people sit there and go, Oh, to change my whole life now would be so hard, but you, you're so right that going down the same pathway is probably just as difficult um, as it is, but give someone like a little nugget. Like I'm not saying people have to just go into their boss tomorrow and say, F you, I'm out of here. I'm quitting my job because this is terrible for me. But what's the kind of first step to kind of someone's take? okay, look, I'm not happy with where I'm at. Change seems difficult, but what can I do that, that little thing, as you said, that first little step, what's someone, you know, a little nugget that someone can take away from our talk today that kind of gets them moving in that direction of change rather than down the same pathway they are at the moment. Write it down and be intentional. Even if you don't believe it can happen, write it down and be intentional with, that's what I really would like. When I was coaching someone yesterday who's in a really, like a lot of business leaders are in chaos at the moment because it's very difficult to get their teams together. However, I said, look, you know, and it's that, it's that famous Stephen Covey, begin with the end in mind. And I said, even though you don't believe it's possible to have harmony in your leadership team now, let's write down what it might look like in six months time. And I know from experience coaching people um, for over 15 years that it's unbelievable when you write it down and start putting attention onto something, intention, every day, how the universe conspires. And if, if I even use a simple example to wrap it up, you know, we lost a, a contract worth, worth hundreds of thousands the first week of March. Like everything just cancelled. Boom, gone. And I went, okay, I could go, poor me, ah, my business, ah, which, you know, I intentionally put almost, I, I got my team together. We had a meeting and I said, okay, you're all on full time for the next six weeks. We've got to get our course online. And even though I had never believed that what we do, do could translate to online world, I just thought, okay, time to get rid of that belief. I was just so intentional that this is going to work. Now, the first course was a bit rocky and there was a few, you know, you're going to get feedback. It's a pilot program. We've been running the course face-to-face -face for all these years and in six weeks transitioned it to online. And last week got some fabulous feedback. We're into the fourth group now and they're loving it. And... I was like, okay, that belief that it won't work is gone. And that's what it's about. Is and here we are six months later as well. <laughs> uh, I know. And thank God. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have had a business had I, had I not do that. 
done that. And not only that, then we won a contract for COVID recovery funding that exactly replaced the contract we lost. So, you know, things, things have a way of, even if you don't believe or know where it's going to come from, just allow the space to open up there and, and keep yourself in a healthy mind, body space and then wait for it to happen. It's something I do with the uh, five in 10 program um, that I run in that I always have each participant who comes and joins that to say, what's your goal weight at the end of this? Now the five in 10 program talks about losing five kilos in 10 weeks. And so obviously most of us would try and say, ah. yeah, be about five kilos lighter in 10 weeks time. But the whole process is meant to teach you a set of skills that you can then take for the rest of your life and lose the rest of the weight or kind of change your life. However, you're kind of coming to that um, program for, but the follow-up to it as a goal after the program is that ultimately doesn't matter how long it takes, what's the ultimate weight or dress size or thing that you want to achieve um, out of this. And I then follow up that normally with, do you believe you can actually achieve that? And I was like, Oh hell no, but that's just what I'd love to kind of achieve. But by the end of the program, I sometimes re-ask that question to people when they've, seeing the process and seeing what they can do and they can see this is a sustainable thing to do and they're 10 weeks, you know, all those things that we kind of put in place over that program. And it's not always, and of course you can't have a hundred percent, you know, hit rate, but most people come to the end of that program. I say that, you know, absolute goal weight that's, you know, maybe six months, 12 months, two years from now, do you believe you can hit that now? And so absolutely. I see myself sticking to the, and so, you know, to your, to your point being very valid in that yeah. you might not even believe it now, but you know, by then putting some things intentionally into place that over the next two weeks, two months, two years, that you then start putting um, things in place that, you know, you then can start to believe that actually, no, I can achieve this and it will happen at some point or whatever it might be. Yes. And I'm always grateful for the habits that you've taught me. <laughs> the, uh, and I, you know, I occasionally I have a big breakfast when I go out and it's a special <laughs> occasion and I always feel like, oh, that's just so decadent to have a big <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> and I always think of the no breakfast guy when I do that. So no, thank fantastic. you very much for all the lessons you've taught me, Adam. No, not at all. And um, I mean, to follow up that kind of second point, you're saying, you know, be very intentional about, you know, writing something down. I think that's very powerful, you know, whether it's on a sticky note or in a, a notepad or something, getting it out of the, the head and actually putting it into the world. Um, just to kind of I always, I mean, it's just my OCD going running well. The next two steps, I like kind of things in three. So like someone's now written that down. Okay, cool, Kath. I hear you. I'm writing it down. Here's this. I don't believe this is true and I can actually achieve this, but I've written it down. Where's the next step for someone? And then we'll give a step three after that. But kind of what's step number two, once they've written it down, they've got that piece of paper in front of them saying, this is what I'm going to achieve. Where do we go from there? Well, it kind of goes, you know, vision, action, evaluation almost so like you know you think about okay what it is is it that i want and i've got a, a diary that someone gave me for christmas last year called the gratitude diary and each each it's based on cycles of the moon and things but each sort of six weeks you go back and you review the goals but when you write your goals so you you write it down and you put it out there and then you write like the action so, for instance, for me, when we lost all of those contracts, I wrote down that I was going to, um, my intention was to be financially in a good place by June 30 and didn't know how I was going to do that, having lost such a big contract and said to everyone, 
I'm putting you on. And my next part of my diary was that I rang, I was to ring five contacts a day until I got some traction. Now I actually made two calls. That new contract came out of the second call I made to someone where I rang someone and said, look, do you know anyone who might be interested in finding funding, da 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 And that transpired. But then the, the third thing to, uh, to keep doing is whether you do it, I, I do it weekly because I have my diary and I look at everything, is look at, you know, what traction did I get or what was the result, basically. So that's sort of, you know, the fire up is focus, intention, results, evaluate, upgrade, perform. So when you get to that, so I'm doing six steps, not three. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, once you've got that intentional focus, even if you don't believe it, so you focus, then you write down your intention, you take the action that's going to get the results, and then you assess or evaluate, you know, was that worthwhile or not? And I know I, I did some marketing and advertising, waste of money. Don't do that again. Upgrade. Let's do something different. And, you know, I, I also spent money on outsourcing to someone. That didn't work. You know, you have to keep upgrading to perform. You need, you need to keep evaluating. So it's write that thing down, be intentional, take the action, but then come back and quickly keep assessing things. I think particularly with COVID, Lots of people will try new things that won't work. And what is it? Fail fast and move on. Uh, yeah, and that's more important now for businesses that have, you know, there's a lot of businesses that won't survive this and they need to move on from that. And that's hard. So find someone to support you because if your business, I, I can't even, like, when that was looking, you know, when I was looking at that, it was terrifying thought and for a lot of businesses and business owners that's a reality and I absolutely feel for them and know that they need the support when when through no fault of their own their business has failed and okay let's let's find a way that I can get support to and it's not that you can't even say fail fast move forward because they haven't failed through their own fault it's just let go fast and yeah. move forward. Good point. Um, well, I think that's really, I kind of, you know, I think a good action plan that people can take. And I think, you know, it falls back into not only, you know, where you are in life, but I mean, even into kind of the health space that, you know, I, I mostly talk around in that, you know, if you can't, if you're not measuring something, then you have no idea if you're actually making progress yeah. or going backwards. And so, um, you know, having that intention, obviously, here's totally. my goal. But, you know, okay, that's your goal. But how are you going to track if you're getting closer to that goal? How do you know that now yeah. you're here and in two months' time, are you at the same spot or you move forward? And so keeping track of whatever that might be. Um, and I, I think you kind of alluded to it. It's kind of working backwards. I think work, um, works really well in kind of here's yeah. your end goal and then step backwards from what's the step just before reaching your goal and what's the one before that and kind of getting yourself all the way back to where you are now. And then there's that action plan that you can start taking. Now, to your point, though, that action plan may change along the way and that, you know, we're following a certain pathway, but then you come to a fork in the road. Oh, I was meant to go that way, but okay, that road's blocked now. I'll go a different way. And that's where you reevaluate and kind of uh, move on. And I think in a world that we are now, that that fork in the road is happening far more frequently and often that, uh, than it might have in the past. Yeah. But look, again, that's the reality. And like, again, I, I, I certainly see just shop fronts closing down all over the place mm, at the moment. 
Um, but again, it's the reality that we're in. So what are you going to do about it? Like absolutely have the day where you just kind of, I can't even face the world, but okay, tomorrow, what are you going to do about it? Like, how are you going to move forward? What could you do? How could you shift that business? How could you shift whatever you're doing or to the health space? You know, you might've been going to the gym and you started getting in a really good routine. Now gyms are all shut down. You go, well, that's, that's, that's that done. I can't keep going to the gym now. What's the pivot? Do you start learning how to run? Do you get a bike? Do you do some home exercise? Whatever it might be. Um, those pivots are going to have to keep happening. They keep happening no matter how successful you get in life. And I think that's another valid point that, you know, we see people who are, in great shape or have a great business you think oh well they they get it easy because they just get it's just easy every single day it's like no (laughs) there's always challenges coming away maybe they're not as frequent but you know we're we're always challenged we're always got to keep learning and kind of uh, keep evaluating and keep moving forward and who helped them would be the last thing if we circle right back to where we were who helped them to believe in themselves or to get a better system or a better process you know there's always that who in everything as well so it's what, why, how, who, you know, get all of it in happening. Absolutely. Well, Kath, I think you have given us so much uh, value today and I can't thank oh, you enough. It's so, so nice to see you. Yeah, it's so nice to see you, Adam, and give my love to Amy and the girls. Absolutely will do. Now, um, everyone uh, who comes on my show needs to answer my quick five five. So if you don't, I normally don't let ah. people know this. So if you don't uh, mind Excellent. indulging me into my little quick five fives. Happy to indulge. All right. So first answer that comes to, to mind. Uh, number right. one, beach or snow? Beach. That's interesting because I know how much you love your snow. So I was thinking... I, oh, love, I, was gonna... I, love, the snow. I love the snow, but I live on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could see one event in the future or past, which way would you go and what would it be? One event in the Olympics. A particular Olympics that you would have liked to have gone to or... I always regret missing the 2020, uh, sorry, the 2000, the Sydney Olympics. I, you know, I went overseas because it was cheaper and I look at it now and think, oh, you know, and I was keen to go to Tokyo, but that's, yeah, that's a, <laughs> so a future, a future Olympics is on my list. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, don't have to worry about nutritional value or how many calories it has. What's the one food for the rest of the life that you would have if you could only have one thing? Oh, oh, the one food. Uh, oh, tacos. Oh, good choice. Haven't had that answer yet. I like it. <laughs> tacos. I love tacos. Um, family, friend, famous, dead or alive, who would you like to have dinner with tonight? Oh, family, friend, dead family or alive. Family or friend, famous or dead or alive, who would you like to have? Oh, it's COVID and I miss my mum and dad. I'd, in fact, I'd have my whole family for dinner tonight. <laughs> Fantastic. Good response. Um, the last one. Now, everyone always goes and says they spend time with their family. I want you, you've already done that. I want you to go rogue and be completely selfish. You have 24 hours left on this planet. You can do anything you want in that 24 hours. What do you do? Oh, you know what? Uh, 24 hours. There's too many things I have to do. You know what? I get everyone, all my friends and all my family, and we do the walk to Noosa that I did on Sunday. Fantastic. What a great response. I mean, as I said, I know how nice Queensland can be at this time of year because we were actually thinking of um, taking three months off um, and moving up north around this time um, now because it's probably the last opportunity we'll get to have a decent holiday because the girls will start going to school and all those kinds of things. But Obviously, that plan was uh, changed, and so we're not going to be up north, but I would love to be having your lovely sunshine at this moment in time. Absolutely, and shh, 
Perugia Beach is the best kept secret. We love it. We'll keep that in mind. Well, we're definitely going to be up north. And so um, should we be coming past your way, I'll certainly uh, tap in plenty and say hello. And, um, uh, plenty of room. Those. Yeah. All right. Great, okay. Adam. Great Thank to you. talk to you. All right. Take care. Thank you See so ya. much, Kath. Uh, guys, that's been another episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. Um, if you need any details and want to reach out to Kath, I'm sure she'll happily answer any inquiries or questions. And I'll put her details in below in the show notes. But that's been another episode. I hope you have enjoyed. I love you all. And I'll see you next week. Bye.